Good morning. We're in the middle of our series, Jesus On, and as we're taking a look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount and seeing all the things that uh, Jesus has done, what he's uh, talked about, how that speaks into our life, that's, um, you can catch up by uh, going online. And uh, you can see that, uh, you can watch those, you can download those. Also, you can pick up a CD. And if you're listening online this morning or listening for a CD, you've already missed a couple things this morning. Uh, we've had a great time singing. We've had a great time celebrating some of our Awana kids from Awana Kids Club and the work they've done. Uh, so we're very thankful for that. Uh, you also got a, in a sense, a Valentine warning. So some of us who sometimes forget about that, you can put that in your mind and remember that this week, uh, Valentine's is, is coming up, and we need to be prepared for that, uh, guys. Uh, so that is worth the price of admission this morning. Uh, Will already talked about that. Uh, this morning, I, uh, or actually last week, I got my Valentine's Day card. It was great. Uh, I went in there, and I didn't realize this, but the selection, like a week and a half for Valentine's Day cards, is much more extensive than the day of. So just uh, know that, and uh, Cindy's not in here, so I can say this. It was great. The first card I picked was a winner. Um, just a reminder, you do need to read through your cards. Uh, one time I gave uh, Cindy a card, and I, I thought it was a beautiful card, but I must have missed the line about being divorced and then getting remarried. And so she was looking at this card, and there was this little line in there celebrating, and she said, how well did you read this? Oh, I read it well. Well, maybe I didn't read it that well, so... So anyway, just those, you know, those are just basic uh, information to, to, to help you uh, along with that. Um, today, uh, we're not talking about dating or marriage or romance, uh, but Jesus is going to warn us about something that's uh, really important. Uh, he's going to be warning us about this. He's going to be warning us about presenting ourselves as something we're not. And to some degree, all of us uh, have been guilty about that, uh, that we present ourselves as something we're not. And when we do that, it uh, gets us into trouble. It's not honoring to God. It's not pleasing to him. But we also find ourselves getting stuck in the muck when you and I present ourselves in a way that uh, we really aren't. And uh, there was a couple of uh, great Super Bowl commercials, and uh, there was one that really spoke to that. They say and good uh, things must come thought to I'd end. show you that. That the best just know when to walk away. So to my teammates, my family, and most of all, my fans, you deserve to hear this from me. So it's time to say goodbye to TV as you know it. But me? I'm not going anywhere. Whoops, that was the wrong commercial. How did that happen? This is the one I wanted about representing yourself correctly. What does home mean to me? It's my sanctuary. It's the one place oh, I can let my guard down. It's where I can just kick back and be totally comfortable in my own skin. You know what I'm saying? Rocket Mortgage understands that home is where I can be myself. And that feels pretty darn good. Oh. 
Home is where you feel the most comfortable. And Rocket Mortgage helps you feel comfortable financing that home with a personalized and convenient experience centered around you. You got this. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Okay, all right. Good job. Presenting yourselves as something we're not. And uh, that commercial, in a sense, uh, showed that. And that's something we all have to wrestle with, this who are we, and, and how do we do that, and how do we navigate through life, how do we show who we really are, how can we be comfortable with who we are, and uh, be okay with that, not be afraid of that, and still be growing as a, as a person. And when you and I, in a sense, when it comes to our spiritual life, especially our character, who we are, uh, we have to really watch out for this. Uh, because of this idea that you and I can really get caught up with presenting ourselves as someone we're not. Like Jason, you know, joke, 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 you know, he, he's presenting himself like somebody he's not. He's really not that guy, but actually he really is that guy. But when you and I do it, 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 it doesn't please God, it doesn't please those around us. And we also find ourselves really living in a sense of fear. Because we're always behind in our mind thinking, what if somebody finds out who I really am? And Jesus talks about that tension in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at that today, uh, beginning in verse 1. If you want to follow along in a paper Bible, uh, on the paper Bible you'll find on the rack there, that's page 678. If you'd like to have a copy of God's Word, a Bible for yourself, you can take that as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Also, uh, many of us have Uversion, which is an app you can put on your electronic device uh, so you can have your Bible wherever your phone is or wherever your tablet or computer is. So I uh, encourage you to have that. And the first thing we're going to see as we dive into Matthew chapter 6 is this idea when you and I purposely, intentionally present ourselves as somebody who we're not, usually we're trying to present ourselves as someone who's got more of their act together. Uh, in church world, we try to present ourselves as someone who's very spiritual and very in tune with God. And when you and I do that, Jesus is saying, we're actually in this place of not being, in a sense, righteous, but we're actually a unrighteousness, unrighteous righteousness. And he's saying that when you and I do this, and the people of Jesus' day, especially the religious scholars, the people that were really said they had the corner on spirituality, Jesus continually comes at them and just says, you know, your righteousness really is an unrighteousness. And it just continues to drip out of your life, and it causes all kinds of problems for you, and it causes all kinds of problems for those who are trying to follow you because your righteousness is actually unrighteousness. And uh, you're presenting yourself this way. So as he's speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we read in verse 1, we read this. It says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And the idea here isn't that we li don't live a righteousness that other people can't see, but we're not to live a righteousness to be seen. Yes, we're to role model what it means to be righteous, and really the idea of righteous, because a lot of us go, well, I'm not righteous or, or whatever, uh, but uh, it's really the idea of a right relationship with God, 
And that if you have a growing relationship with God, a right relationship with God, not a perfect relationship, but a, a moving in that direction on the path of righteousness sometimes you hear, that, that your life will automatically point to Christ. The things you say, the things you do. So be careful when you're trying to live this life that it really doesn't turn into a show and tell about who you are. It's really not a trying to project and, and get accolades for yourself, get glory for yourself. And the Pharisees, the religious in people of Jesus' day, were actually practicing their righteousness to be seen. And because that was the driving motivation in their life, their righteousness actually was, a, was an unrighteousness. And when you and I live that way, when it's all about hearing the applause of the crowds, if you will, or those around you, we find that the Lord is not pleased with that, and actually we, he does not reward us for that kind of a thing. And uh, we, again, get into this church world, get into this Christianity thing, and it's very easy over time to slide into this kind of righteousness that we want others to see so they think we were pretty good. And, and Jesus says that's, that's just not, not the way to go. Don't do something that's good in a way that is meant to be seen. And, and again, it's very hard for us, uh, for a lot of us, not to get caught up in that. Uh, we want our good deeds to be seen. We want others to take notice. Sometimes it, it comes back to the fact that we, we want to bolster our self-worth. Maybe we grew up in a situation where we were always put down, always weren't good enough. And then all of a sudden, we find Jesus, uh, we start walking with him, and we start to realize that there are others that see our life and see the nice things we're doing because we have this relationship, this growing relationship with God, and they start to take notice of it. And then all of a sudden, there's this switch that our external expressions of our relationship with God are starting to happen because we want other people to see us. And then all of a sudden it goes backwards, and, and, and Christ is like, that's when your righteousness becomes unrighteous. It's so easy, it's so subtle, it's, it just kind of slides in there if we're not careful. That comes back to motives. Now I'm going to say this, and you've heard me say this before, that I, I don't necessarily believe that my motives personally, Dave Spencer's motives, are 100% noble and right all the time. I think there's a meter, and uh, it's a good thing I don't have like that meter on you know, my side. You can see this little thing going up and down. So sometimes I'm doing something, and I start doing it for the right reason, and then all of a sudden, a little pride gets mixed in there, a little bit, boy... I'm doing something good. I hope someone sees me do something good. And the meter drops and it goes back and forth. And we're glad that God search, searches or sorts that all out. So there's times where you're doing something right and, and you're, you're doing something, some righteousness that's reflecting your relight relationship with God. And, uh, you know, the meter's at like 95%. And I know I've been sometimes gotten into these situations where I've agreed to do something and I'm doing it. And all of a sudden it, it drops into a level of extreme hassle. 
And now I don't want to do it anymore, but I've said I'm going to do it, and I want my name to be good. So all of a sudden, the last, like, closing the circle and doing this thing is just because I want people to think Dave Spencer's a nice guy. He does what he's supposed to do. He's a man of his word, so he, he does it. So the last half of it, the last quarter of it, was doing it because of, of me. I want, I want to be known as this person, and it went the other way. And now you could go crazy trying to, trying to measure that in your own life. But Jesus saying is, make sure your intentions aren't that way. For those of us who have said yes to Christ, we believe that the, the Holy Spirit lives within us, joins our lives, we're connected with God. And so if we're really sincere about this, as we walk through life, I think he's going to give you subtle hints, not so huddle hints when, when all of a sudden you're starting to go down this road. That's why it's so important to stay close to him so that you're not on automatic pilot. So an act of righteousness, an act of reflecting that you're right with God and you're living that way, you're Christ-centered, when it starts to slip into a self-righteous situation, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit lays it on your heart and goes, whoa, you're doing this for the wrong reason. And sometimes... Most of the time, people on the outside don't even know that's going on in your heart and your soul. And you make a little correction, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm starting to do this for, for me so I look good. I'm trying to get noticed a little bit. That wasn't my intent. Forgive me, help me to get out of that, and help me to move into this direction where I'm really doing it because I'm reflecting that you're leading and I'm walking with you in my life. Eugene Peterson uh, translates paraphrases verse 1 this way. This is what he says. He says, be careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. It's wonderful to know that God knows us inside and out, that he knows our heart, that he knows when we're struggling. But it's also maybe not so wonderful that he knows us inside and out. That when we can fool everyone around us with our motives or anything, he knows what's going on in our heart. And uh, so it's, it's kind of a catch-22. I love the fact that God's totally aware of me. He cares for me. He knows why I'm doing what I'm doing and that I'm scared to death that he knows me inside and out. So when you and I are doing something and it's turning into a performance, he knows. He knows. He knows it's just a, it's just a, it's a self-promoting, and it may again not have started that way. We may not even be aware of it that we're slipping into that. But as we walk close to the Lord, as we have his leading, as we're sensitive to him, he makes us aware of that. And there's been books written on this. There's a book called The Living Before the Audience of One. And if we're a Christ follower, we really need to always keep that in our mindset. We're living before an audience of one. Every once in a while, I'm doing something. I'm doing an act of righteousness. And uh, I'm doing it because I'm tr the Lord has led me. I'm walking with him. I know this is what I'm supposed to do as a Christ follower. And I realize nobody knows I'm doing this. And there are moments where I take unbelievable joy in the fact that I am doing this just between me 
and my God, and no one knows it. Then there's other times I take no pleasure in that. I want someone to know. Do you know what I did for that person? Do you know how I helped that person out? Do you know how I sacrificed? So again, it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act. It's something that you and I live in tension. Now, when Jesus talks about this idea of actor, uh, the word that it goes back to is this concept of um, Greek plays, and they would wear uh, masks that would demonstrate the emotion that they were trying to display. You have tragedy and you have comedy, but they had lots of these masks, and they would wear them. And at this time, uh, women were not actors, so it was just men, so they even have masks to, to portray a woman, and then they would put these masks on, and this is who they were. And, and when you and I hear the word hypocrite, we don't think actors, but, but back in Greek times, that's what they thought. A hypocrite is an actor. They're taking on a role. They're playing something that they are not. Some of us have our favorite actors or actresses, actors, and, and we, we have them, and it's because we've watched them play a role, and we actually, they're such a good actor that we think that's who they are. And then we discover that's not who they are. Sometimes there's somebody that plays a really good villain, and we go, wow, I don't really like that person. And then we see them being interviewed, and they're actually nice. They're a great hypocrite. They take a role on, and they're able to do that. When I, when I think of some good actors, I don't know who you think of. You've got your favorite, but, uh, you know, I think of, of this actor. He just, he just, I love this actor. That is good acting. Unbelievable actor. T.J. Hooker. How many remember that? Oh, you missed. You, those who aren't raising your hands, early 80s, just riveting, great drama, unbelievable scenes. He's the man. And then, you know, even go back to Captain Kirk. This is the most famous scene that, you know, it's just unbelievable. I shall leave you as you left me, as you left her, marooned for all eternity. Look at that intensity. Dead planet. Buried alive. Buried alive. Awesome. That is great. Man, oh man. I never would know, you know, you know. Oh, man, I could show you clip after clip, especially in Star Trek, you know, where he saves the day. It's just, it's just unbelievable. But you know what Jesus does? He takes the concept of actor hypocrite, and I don't think anyone had really drawn this out. We don't see this before Jesus bringing this out. But he brings this idea that you can actually be a spiritual actor. 
you can actually be a spiritual hypocrite. A spiritual hypocrite is someone who goes through life as if they're on a stage wearing a mask for the applause. And we can be this way. This is a very dangerous place for someone like me as a pastor because it is so easy to present certain things and act certain way and wave the flag of this idea and this concept, but then have it is so far from your heart. It's probably one of the scariest things about talking about spiritual truth and making sure there's at least a hint of a concept in the pastor's life. But all of us can play this. We can play this, this spiritual hypocrite. And some of us in this audience are still trying to figure out whether we want to follow Christ, whether it's a real thing, and we can actually bring up some faces in our mind. Hopefully it's not the person sitting next to you. Uh, faces of somebody who's a spiritual hypocrite, and that's caused us to say, I don't know about this. I don't know about this Jesus because if this Jesus, if following Jesus is like this person, I don't want anything to do. They, they're a hypocrite. They, they pronounce these kinds of ideas. They, they say they live this way. But when they're boxed into a corner, when there's no way to go out, they act a certain way. And, you know, I, I, I don't have any problems with Jesus, but these Jesus followers really don't seem to be Jesus followers. And then there are some of us that have gotten so numb to the fact that we're doing this, it's like all of life is a stage. And we wear this mask, and what really energizes us is to have other people see us expressing a relationship with God. And it's really not us expressing our relationship with God. It's that we're in love with the image ourselves, and so we live a certain way to get little applauses. And Jesus says, I find that so offensive. I find that so offensive that you're saying you're close to me. And this is an expression of our closeness when you are not close to me. And actually, when no one's watching, you're a completely different person. At least in your mind. I don't know which bothers them more. Those of us who are filtered, so yes, we're a completely different person, but nobody sees it. But if we could get away with it, we would be a completely different person. But because of the applause or lack of applause of others in our life, we, we, we live a certain way. And it's not because of trying to live before the audience of one, it's because of the audience of those around us. Really, really, really bothers us. A little bit later in Matthew, we read this. Everything they do is for show. Hypocrites, actors. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But the inside, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. And this is a sad way to live. You know, we can feel bad Jesus is slapping our hand because all of us have moments of this, if we're honest. So Jesus is slapping our hands. But th this is a sad way to live. It's a sad way to, to be a Christ follower, live the external Christ-following representatives representing that, but then inside to be empty. 
It's like those big trees every once in a while you see that look majestic and they're wow trees and they're like wow and all of a sudden a big storm comes through and it falls down because the inside was all rotten. That, that's, not, that's, not, that, that's a sad story. And it's a sad story for a Christ follower. Again, it doesn't mean you and I are perfect. It doesn't mean our motives are always perfect. But when we, when we are so preoccupied with the outside of the cup, and not the inside of the cup. Not only is it unrighteous righteousness, but it's just sad. Why, why, why do that? Why be that way? It's kind of a little bit ironic, but yesterday, you know, as I'm working on this here and there and reviewing it and all that kind of stuff, uh, I brought my coffee cup out and Cindy looked at it and, and there's my coffee cup. I use this every day. It's like sacred, you know, that's my coffee cup. Don't mess with it. But Cindy, Cindy made the comment that uh, I needed to clean it up. I'm like, what are you talking about? She says, that needs to be washed. And I said, what do you mean? And then she showed me the inside of it. This is the way my coffee cup looks. This was just yesterday. And I said, no, 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 that, that adds flavor to my coffee. I like that. Don't you dare clean that. I, I like that. And, uh, you know, maybe if it was something else, I wouldn't want that. But again, a lot of us uh, get the imagery that the outside looks all right, but the inside is like this. And the reason Jesus wants to enter our lives, be a part of our lives, isn't just so the outside looks a certain way. He really wants the inside to be cleaned up, not because it gives him like more points in heaven. It's not like he's got a scoreboard in heaven and goes, oh, Dave's being better inside. So click, 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 click. I get some stars I'm doing. You know, it's not because he wants the best for you and me. And he knows as the inside is cleaned up, the outside will in a sense take care of itself. But he also knows for us, our peace, our well-being as Christ followers is a lot nicer and peaceful and, and holistic when the inside is getting cleaned up and it, it expresses itself on the outside. But when you and I don't let the inside get cleaned up, we don't even know what's going on. We're just going through the motions, but we, we're very conscious of the outside. It's, it's just it's not a great way to live. And, you know, we talk about Jesus coming so you and I can have life and have it to the full, abundant life. Abundant living is when the inside is getting cleaned up and it touches the outside, not just that the outside is cleaned up and the inside looks like that. A little further on in Matthew, he says, Hypocrites, you pretend to be holy. Holy is the idea of being separate unto God. So every time you hear holy, holy, separate unto God, when we sing God is holy, he's separated unto himself. He, he's not at anyone else's beck and call. Uh, he sets his own agenda. And so when you and I live holy lives, we're, we're separating our lives to him. We're like a utensil. Uh, you can trace it back to the Old Testament where they would have these utensils for the worshiping of God, and they were holy. And so you and I are set apart to be used by him. So you pretend to be holy, set apart to God, with all your long public prayers in the streets. This is what was going on. Uh, uh, the religious elite would stand out and make these long prayers and look so holy while you're evicting widows from their homes. Again, if you're so connected with God, you're right with God, you're righteous, wouldn't you at least have a little mercy showing up 
in your lives, but that's not the case. So the outside looks good, but the inside isn't good. It's showed by the way you're treating these widows. You're like beautiful mausoleums, cemetery, full of dead men's bones and foulness and corruptions. You, you try to look like saintly men, but underneath those pious robes of yours, our hearts besmirched with every sort of hypocrisy and sin. And so, again, Jesus is saying to us, don't be a genuine imitation. I remember when I would see commercials and they would talk about uh, something like it's leather and it's genuine imitation. Well, what is that? It's, it's, it's genuine imitation. It's, you know, why do I want a genuine imitation leather jacket? I want a real, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And, and you and ourselves, we can find ourselves in this place. So Jesus goes on to give three examples. Uh, the first example is when you give. When you and I give, when you and I give our lives away, when you and I give uh, financially, um, we can be hip, an actor. It can be an act. goes on says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. He's being very sarcastic. Do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. Now, they don't necessarily have trumpets, but they would, they, would, they would make it known to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So when you and I, as Christ followers, we're supposed to be generous, we're supposed to give. Um, you know, we talk about this a little bit before we take the offering. You know, we're supposed to be percentage givers uh, to the church so we can do things, so we can have a WANA program for kids, so we can help with people going to missionaries down on Honduras. By the way, the Healthy Ninos group arrived, and they're enjoying it down there. They arrived safely, had a little travel hiccups on Friday night, but it all worked out. But the reason we, we give is so those things can happen. We can be used by God. We also give just because God's given to us. We actually come to the place where we realize that everything at our disposal is a gift from God. None of us are self-made men and women. We may like to think we are, but even the breath you and I take, we're one breath away, and that breath is from God. So when you and I are trying to practice our uh, you know, acts of righteousness, doing good deeds, whatever you want to say, and a part of that is giving, how do we give? Do we give so other people can take notice? Or do we give because we're just so thankful for the way God's worked in our life? It's just a natural response to the goodness of God that we're generous. Why are we generous? Do we do it so other people would take notice? Do we subtly let other people know? Now, that doesn't mean no one should know that you've done something good, that you've given, that you've been generous. It doesn't mean you've got to freak out and go, oh, I've got to keep this a secret. But again, it comes back to your heart. Sometimes you do your acts of uh, giving generosity, and it's, it's good to have somebody take notice of it because you're role modeling. The only person, though, who knows if you're showing off or role modeling is you and God. 
The fact that I remember growing up and my mother every Sunday would bring her offering check. And our church made these little envelopes and every Sunday she would put one in. Set it in my mind that you ought to give. So, so it wasn't that she was showing off, but she was being a role model to us. And, and it worked. When I first got my first job, I wanted to get offering envelopes, and I wanted to start giving. And I remember at the church we were at then, every quarter, Martha would go crazy about this, but every quarter they would give reports out, and you could see how much you gave, how much you planned to give. I remember looking at it, and sometimes I would plan to give so much, because as I got older and my income was a little bit more regular, and sometimes I'd find out, wow, I thought I gave more than this, because I would miss a few weeks or a lot of weeks. Or one month I'd get through and I'd go, man, I only gave two times last quarter. What's up with this? But again, my parents were modeling that for me. So that, that's okay, but it's the intent of the heart. Read on in verses 3 to 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you may give, may, your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, this is a, an exaggeration. It's not like, because you, you can't do that. I mean, your hands, you know what you're doing, but it's the idea to downplay it. Uh, maybe you help somebody out, and one person knows, and that's okay, but you make sure you don't go tell five people. You, you just have to, you have to know that in your heart, in your soul, how you're responding to that. Giving. It's a sign of being a Christ follower that we're generous. You support a local church, your church family. You support others and all of that. It's, it's a part of being it. But you need to, we need to make sure how we're doing it, that we're doing it not in a way to get uh, applause from others. Uh, Paul writes about this um, when there was a need in Jerusalem um, Jerusalem, most of the time, was a wealthy area. They had plenty of resources, but there was some economic downturns, and it was, they, there was trouble there, and the Macedonians uh, found out about it, and they were actually in a poor region. And uh, they just got it in their hearts that they would help Jerusalem out. Uh, they said, you know, we've got to, in, in their poverty they gave, and Paul just is blown away the way that in their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That they just, they gave as much as they could. They, they wanted to do that. And uh, that was just, he's just, wow, this is, this is really cool that they did that. So as we think about being a Christ follower, as we think about externally expressing that, yes, generosity, giving, sacrificial, all that is a part of our makeup, our DNA as a Christ follower. But we have to ask ourselves, what is our motivation uh, doing that? Are we doing it in the right way? Then also he goes on to say another example of this is when you pray. How do you pray? Verse 5 says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, the actors, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street quarters to be seen by others. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
Rather, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you in secret. And what I I like about this is most of us aren't like loving to pray out loud in front of other people. That's not like some people say that would be like, the I do not. Dave, if you called me right up at the end of the service and said, hey, you, would you pray up in front of everybody? They'd be like, oh, 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 no, that's not something you, you want to do. So, whoo, I'm free from this. But I think the flip side is something we need to realize. There needs to be this tip of the iceberg might be praying out in front of people, but then the bottom of the, underneath the waterline is this idea that there's a prayer life. So what you and I do when it comes to prayer, is there a underneath, is there a below the waterline prayer life? If you're not a person that likes to get up in front and pray, you want to run from that. Uh, so that doesn't mean you're off the hook. It is, is there an under the waterline prayer life? Sometimes you and I don't even realize this, but we're hypocritical because we claim that prayer is so important. Spending time with God is so important, but all our expressions of that are maybe a church, in a Bible study with a lot of other people. Uh, maybe, maybe that's our prayer time, and there isn't a moment where we pull away just by ourselves, in theory like in a closet, and just spend time with God one-on-one. Uh, we, we think it's important maybe to hear a message, to go to church, to, to, to read something, uh, to, to, to uh, listen, but, but there's not a personal study. There's not that below-the-waterline peace. In this case, it was people praying on the street corners, and that's the only place they prayed. For a person who prepares sermons, I have to make sure that there's also another part of my life where I, in a sense, spend time with God, spend time in His Word, just for me. I can't look at every passage and just say, how am I going to share this? How am I going to be creative with this? There's got to be just me, privately, just me. and uh, Because then it's all external and not internal. Jesus also gives the example down a couple more verses when you fast. And the idea of fasting is to deprive yourself of something, mainly food, to be more aware of God. But uh, one, of my, one of my daughters just had a social media fast. And I don't know if it was a month or two months, but she just got off all of it because she just wanted to be separate from that. And uh, she wanted to, to use a little bit more of that time to be more conscious of God. So whatever it is, a Netflix fast, a, a TV fast, a, a, a whatever, a I'm not going to listen to my radio when I'm going back and forth to work for a week, and I'm going to spend that time talking with the Lord. Whatever that is, please keep your eyes open when you're doing that. But, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use, I'm going to fast from something, so I put myself more in the path of God. And so he goes on to this, back in the day when people were fasting, they made sure everybody knew they were fasting. Oh, I'm so hungry, but I'm fasting for the Lord. When you do fast, or when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. They're just, 
Oh, oh, I'm so hungry. You know, somebody's eating. Oh, I wish I could eat that, but I'm fasting. You know, uh, just, you know, all over. And then Jesus says, on the other hand, this is what you ought to do. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face. And when you would be dressing up in Jesus' day and going to something special, I guess you slap a little oil on your face and you'd glisten a little more. And, you know, you look like, wow, celebration and all of this kind of thing. So when you're fasting, when you're trying to put yourself in God's path for whatever it is, you don't wear it on your sleeve. You, you do it in such a way that nobody knows. That doesn't mean if you're married, your spouse doesn't know or your close friends, but you're not doing it so you're getting applause for others. You're trying to actually get yourself to be more aware of God's presence in your life. So it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who is seen what is done in secret will reward you. Now, we've heard this reward idea a couple times. What does that mean? Who? That means, um, you know, I'm going to get like an extra check. I'm going to get overtime at work. You know, usually when we think of reward, we think of, think of financial kinds of things. All of a sudden, we have more money or, or something or something works out. I think the reward of doing these spiritual disciplines giving yourself away, giving financially, spending time with God, fasting so you're more attuned to God, giving something up, the reward of that is a deeper appreciation and experience with God. So, so, so if I'm fasting to be aware of God's presence, I'm giving up TV or whatever or food, that would be really hard, but let's say I was giving up some food or whatever. The reward is that I'm just more aware of God in my life. That's what I want. If I'm praying, I don't want more money. Well, maybe I want more money, but I, I'm not praying. I'm not, I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for that kind of reward. I'm actually looking to be more aware of him in my life. And that's the kind of reward I want. I don't want somebody else going, oh, Dave's praying, look at that, oh, he's fasting, oh, look at that, you know, wow, you know, and I'm going, yes, yes, thank you, thank you. You know, I don't want, I want, what the goal of it is to be more aware of God's presence. That's the reward. That's the beauty of these things, because I'm trying to grow in my relationship with God. I, I'm giving my life away. I'm being good with my finances. I'm, I'm being generous. And, and I just, 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 just want to reflect the heart of the God I'm trying to follow. And I want to be closer to him. And that's the reward. It's not, you know, I give an extra X amount of dollars and all of a sudden next week some little thing comes through and I got 10 times more. Uh, sometimes you hear these messages, giving, living. You know, you give, you live, and you get more. You know, that, that, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm giving because I want to experience him. I want to reflect him. So back to this whole idea of hypocrisy. Back to this idea of acting. Hypocrisy is not the disparity between what we do and what we wish we did. So it's not this, it's just not this thing where you, 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 you are longing for something and it's not coming together, you're working it. That, that's not being hypocrisy. I, you know, a hypocrite. Uh, sometimes I want to behave a certain way. I want that behavior to become who I am, but I'm still struggling with it. I'm aware of it, but I'm, it's, it's on my radar. 
Paul talks a lot about this. We don't have time to go through this all, but in Romans 7, you get this, I, I want to do this, but then I do this. I want to do this, and I do this. I'm, I'm in this battle. He, Paul's not being a hypocrite there. He's being honest. He's saying, I, I, I want to live this way. I want to give this up, add this up as a reflection of my relationship with God, what's going on in my heart, and then I want these external things to show up. That's not being a hypocrite as you're working through that. It's turning your heart, turning your mind more to Jesus. I love what he, how he sums that up. He says, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin within me to do something totally different. It's fine to have desires. It's fine to want to... Wanna, grow in the way of righteousness and your way of being right with God and having that be expressed on the outside. But what hypocrisy is, it's this. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show and who we are. What we show in who we are. Again, it's, 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 it's a false presentation. I give the, the look like I'm like this, but that's really not who I am. That's really not home. I, I, I talk the game, but it's not really who I am. And, and, and we, look for, we look for shortcuts to this stuff. But it's a process. It's engagement on a regular basis. There, there, are, no, there are no shortcuts. So instead of, instead of projecting a certain way and being a completely different way, we're trying to get the two to be integrated so we know where we ought to be in our heart, and we're trying to get that to show up on the outside. But we're not settling for just having it on the outside without having it on the inside. We're not looking for those shortcuts. Came across this uh, commercial, and uh, this, I thought this was kind of interesting. Introducing InstaSlim. You can look up to three inches slimmer instantly without exercise or diet. Love handles and bulging stomachs instantly disappear. And with the InstaSlim compression technology, your back will thank you. These shirts are like his little white lie. I'm the only one that knows they're there. I've lost three inches off my waist. It looks fantastic. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. Don't pay $75, $100, or even $200 for similar type shirts. If you act now, you can get an InstaSlim shirt for just two easy payments of $14.95. Act quickly and we'll double the offer. That's right. Call now or go online and we'll send a second InstaSlim shirt absolutely free. A $30 value. That's two InstaSlim shirts for the price of one. Each order comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you have nothing to lose but your love handles, your back bulges, and your saggy chest. And wait till you feel what InstaSlim does for your posture. Order your InstaSlim today. Available in black and white, InstaSlim comes in sizes medium to triple extra large. Tens of thousands of customers have experienced an instant difference, and now you can too. Call now or go online and order your InstaSlim shirt today. Yeah, what's that number? Would that really work? Am I wearing one right now? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> We want the shortcut. We want to look a certain way without doing the internal work. 
And for a little while, others think you're doing it. But on all of this stuff, eventually, the real you comes out. One of those shirts, the seam blows out, and you're in trouble. It happens. The inside change, there's no, no shortcuts. And there's hope for this. I love that Jesus, when he's speaking about cleaning the inside of the cup out first, he says, first make the inside of the cup clean, and then the outside of the cup can be truly clean. The idea is that you and I can do this. You and I can, with God's help, work on the inside. We can actually see the inside change so the outside is different. And we can do that if we really want to. David writes this in one of the Psalms. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is about relationship. This is about walking with him. Those anxious thoughts. Sometimes those anxious thoughts are, I don't want to be found out. I don't want people to know who I really am. Because I know who I really am. I'm wearing an instant slim shirt, and eventually it's not going to keep everything tight. (laughs) And it's going to come out. And people are going to know. God says, don't be afraid of that. Let me search you out. Let me see where there are those inconsistencies. Let me see where you're acting. And let me do the fine heart surgery that changes the inside so the inside gets reflected on the outside. You see, when you and I work through this idea of being an actor, when we work through the idea of being Uh, a genuine imitation, when we get on the other side of that, you and I have nothing to fear when you have nothing to hide. And so this this is a message, this is a concept of freedom, not guilt. It's freedom. When you and I walk with God in such a way that he changes the inside, we're not worried about the outside as much, And all of a sudden, we're not acting, and we're not worried that someone's going to find out the real us. We even have to deal with the real us. God has to deal with the real us and those around us. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for his honesty in these statements. Lord, we don't want to act at faith. What good is that, just to be an actor or a very good actor? Lord, we want the change that takes place inside out. Please help us to look at the inside. Help us walk hand in hand with you and see that you will lead us in the ways of righteousness. You will help us to be right with you. You will help us to clean the inside of the cup out and we don't have to walk in fear that you're going to discover then others are going to discover and that we can come to terms with that ourselves and if there's anyone here this morning that has not said yes to you lord i pray that even in this moment they would be wrestling with that they would talk with someone maybe talk with me and find out that they don't have to be an actor when it comes to their spiritual life It can be real, it can be authentic, it can be genuine. We thank you for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen.